Good morning. I, I'm sorry. That I, I'm shy, and, and I, I can't hide behind that. So I, I choose this. Um, thank you for having Catherine and I this morning. Um, the first three people that we met, that I met when we walked in the, the front door this morning, knew and, um, and, and greeted me. The fourth person said, Are, is that you, Rob? You've, you've lost so much hair. <laughs> so thank you for having us today. I, I just want to do a couple of tiny commercials before I begin today. The first one is um, this. Uh, this is a prayer card, and we'd like you to take one of these if you would like to pray for us. Um, I was in Timmins, and a, a guy who hadn't been a Christian very long said, what, what's a prayer card? And I said, well, you know, it's our picture, and Catherine and I are there, and, and you pray for us. And you go, what, what do I do with it? And he said, well, some people put it on their fridge. And he goes, oh, well, that's creepy. And I, I'm not sure, but think of them, think of them as hockey cards, okay? And this is our veteran hockey card. I think behind me you can see our rookie card. And it might be worth something now if you have it. So hang on to these. They're, they're, they're probably worthless, but... Um, and the other thing that I'd like you to do, do if, if you want to take one of these, fine. They're at the, at the, on a table outside the auditorium here. There's also a sign-up list, and all I want is your email address and your name. And what you'll get is uh, maybe five or six emails each year that are prayer emails. Village Green supports us a lot of money. We don't want your money. We already get that. But we need, we need your prayers as we go forward. Okay, so that's the end of the commercials. If you're interested, they're at the, there's sign-up sheets at, outside the auditorium. So... It's been more than 25 years since we packed up all our bags and moved to Japan. So, thank you, first of all, for... Uh, actually, Village Green... We've been there for over 25 years, but Village Green, Green came on as supporters, I think, about 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And um, um, if you do the math, we, we, we think of it monthly, okay? Uh, 25 years is... Over 20 years, it is, and it's, that means it's more than 250 months of financial support. It, you do the math, anything times 250 is a lot. So we are very, very thankful for your contribution to the work God is doing in Japan. And so I, I want to begin by, by, by saying that very clearly. Um, a little bit of history. A little bit of history, what we've been up to. From 1995 until 2005, we worked in uh, northern Japan, and we planted uh, what's called Hitachi Hope Church. Uh, the countryside of Japan has a Christian population of less than 0.2%, close to the, the lowest on the planet. It's a very lonely place to be a believer. And... Ten years, ten years of, of loving people in Hitachi resulted in a church of about 25 members. 
an average size, that's an average sized church, in, evangelical church in, in, in Japan. But Hitachi, and I want you to pray for Hitachi Hope, uh, because they have struggled to move beyond 25. And as I speak, they are still about 25 people. Pray that Hitachi Hope would catch a vision to reach the millions of neighbors that they have in Japan. From our next decade in Japan, 2005 until 2015, we shifted gears and moved 30 minutes south to Hitachinaka and started something called Oasis in our, in our home. And Oasis was an, a neighborhood outreach group that looked a lot more like a pizza party than it looked like a church. There were, in that city of almost 200,000 people, when we moved there, uh, perhaps 50 Christians. Over the next 10 years, we saw several people come to Christ, and some of them, some of them began to lead their family and friends to Jesus as well. So they multiplied the work that we were doing, that God was doing, in Japan through disciple, through disciple making. 2015, we moved to Tokyo. Um, it was a big move for uh, uh, two people from Timmins. Timmins to Tokyo is a long way. We shifted gears um, and we moved to Tokyo. I preached um, regularly in um, Tokyo because 15%, about one in six churches in Tokyo, there are more churches in Tokyo, but one in six has no pastor. So I, I had to preach. I, worked, I did a lot of leadership development and encouraging some young missionaries there. Uh, Catherine, when in Tokyo, continued to do the same thing that she's been doing for 25 years in, in Japan, and that's called reaching out. And she does it really well. Um, she reached out in Tokyo to many Japanese ladies that would never have heard the good news of Jesus. It's slow work. It's slow work. But I think over 25 years has proven to be our most effective, the most important kingdom-building work to date. Some have given their hearts to Jesus in Tokyo. Catherine also has had a, a mentoring and um, member care role. They, they only give you those roles when you begin to grow old. But she's had a, a mentoring and member care role to young missionaries in Tokyo as well. So what about the, the future? What about a, a, a return to Japan? Uh, I think we're looking forward to the next 10 years, um, working to reach for Christ a few more of the people who live in the greater Tokyo area. Greater Tokyo area means 40 million people. What's the population of Canada? Just under 40 million, I think, something like that. Except it's all in a little bitty place. And that's, that's what um, we believe God is, has called us uh, to uh, for the next 10 years. Um, before we open the Bible together, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much 
uh, for this opportunity this morning to be here, to share from your word. I pray, Lord, that each person here, whether they've been coming for 25 years or today is their very first Sunday, that you would help each one of us to hear from you, to understand what you are trying to tell us, and then to make changes based on that understanding. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Most people who have hung around churches like Village Green for any, any amount of time would probably agree and, and, and recognize that uh, the most famous missions verse in the world, in the Bible, is Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Words of Jesus that are important. But there's another, there's another verse that I like a little better. It's a little confusing. And it's also, it also comes out of Jesus' mouth. It's also in Matthew. Matthew 23, verse 15. Verse 15, and here Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Uh-oh. What happened to sweet, sweet Jesus? Those are fighting words. Jesus said that to the Jewish missionaries of his day 2,000 years ago. He's not condemning the, the Jewish missionaries' zeal. My goodness, they traveled over land and sea to win a single convert. He's condemning, I think, their um, message their message. Uh, they traveled over land and sea and encouraged people to abandon their religions and replace them with a new religion and new rules to live by. In their case, Judaism. Uh, Jesus is talking about the failure, the failure of rules and rule-based religions versus a, a relationship, a faith relationship by grace. We're saved by nothing but grace through faith. If you, are, if you think you're saved by your religion, no matter how hard you try and how well you practice your religion, you, you're, you're wrong. It's not going to work. That's what Jesus was saying. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Grace. We're going to talk about grace this morning. It's the most important thing I can think of to talk about anywhere. 
And grace, I'm going, to def- I'm going to try to define it in my own way. Grace is getting something good that you don't deserve. Grace is getting something good for nothing. I remember years and years ago, um, Catherine and I were first in Japan. And um, uh, we couldn't, we didn't know anything about Japan. Uh, things in the grocery store were really, everywhere were really expensive. And, um, uh, or else we were really poor. I'm not sure which was, was more important. But we, we would go to this grocery store way across town because it was cheap. There, it was the cheapest store that we could find. Uh, one day, we were outside this cheap grocery store, and um, we noticed a big bin. Uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, you could see big bins in front of all the grocery stores filled with pumpkins. It was kind of like that, except these bins were filled with one kilogram bags of rice. We couldn't read Japanese. We couldn't say anything in in Japanese. I'm pretty sure we ended up buying things that we didn't really want. Um, uh, For example, you can buy horse meat in Japan, and it's cheaper than beef. And I would always get the cheapest thing I could find. And I couldn't tell the difference between horse and beef because I couldn't read. So we probably ate a lot of horse. But anyway, um, I recognized something about these bags of rice. I couldn't read, but I could read zero yen. They were free. They were free. Um, It turns out, what what the story is, is uh, the Japanese government had imported a whole bunch of rice from Thailand, anticipating a poor harvest in Japan. And the harvest was better than expected, and Japanese people don't like Thai rice very much. So they couldn't even give this rice away. We went home that day. I I was feeling pretty good about it, but Catherine might have been a bit embarrassed. We looked like mules. (laughs) I, I I think we got maybe 25 bags before I said, uh, that's enough. <laughs> but it was free. You know what that is? Grace. That's grace. It's grace. Something good that you want for nothing. For nothing. Biblical grace is getting something good that you need, but don't deserve. Perhaps you're not even looking for it, and it costs nothing. It costs you nothing. Um, Before we look at, I'm calling this uh, next 20 minutes or so, God's grocery list of grace. But before we we look at that, uh, the passage in Isaiah 55, Isaiah 65, verse 1, has a perfect definition of God's grace. Isaiah 65, verse 1. I reveal, God is talking here. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, Here I am. Uh, Here am I. Here am I. Hmm. Japan is 
that nation. Japan is not asking for God. Japan is not calling on God's name. The Japanese people, I think, by and large, feel they are pretty much okay on their own. Does that remind you of any other country? It's, it's not just about Japan, is it? Um, in Japan, in fact, since the um, great um, disaster, a triple disaster they called it, um, earthquake, tsunami, and nuclear disaster that rocked Japan and our um, Hitachi Naka neighborhood, um, beginning in March of 2011, I say that because our house shook every single day for six months. It was rough, and it was rougher for a lot of other people in Japan. In Japan, church attendance since March 2011, church attendance and membership in evangelical churches has gone down slightly since this. Uh, most often, I think, uh, in times of disaster and stress, people flock or return to things they're already comfortable with. And in Japan, that's Buddhism, which is ancestor worship, as well as Shintoism, which is uh, uh, nature worship, very similar to um, native Canadian spiritualism. So, we have to believe, we have to believe, in spite of the evidence that God is revealing himself and crying out to the Japanese, here am I, here am I. We didn't head to the, the grocery store expecting 25 kilograms of free rice. And we were a bit embarrassed. Uh, well, Catherine is a bit embarrassed to load it up and cart it home. But that's grace. You just stumble on it. You're not even looking for it. Isaiah 55, the first three verses. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. When I read that, when I read Isaiah 55, 1 to 3, I think of the story of the Thai rice, but it was Thai rice. And Japanese are not really fond of Thai rice. Even now, if I gave my kids a bag of Thai rice, they would say, what? What's this? Where's the Japanese rice? But look at verse 1 and 2 again. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. 
Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. That's not worthless stuff the store is trying to get rid of. That's not day-old bread. Uh, imagine this. You go to, um, I don't know, where do you go here? The grocery store, um, Super Save, Loblaws. Okay, all of those places. Food basics. Okay, I don't know about food basics, but anyway. You, you go to the grocery store, you go to the grocery store and load up your cart, and it's not just Thai rice, but everything. When you get to the checkout, everything is free. I don't know, the, the salmon, the steak, the peanut butter, it's all free. Isn't that what this is talking about? The, the, the message of verse 1 and 2 of Isaiah 55 is that God's grace is not only free, it's not only free to the undeserving, it's also good stuff. It's valuable. It's generous. Every summer um, in Japan, the first church that Catherine and I um, planted, um, that Hitachi, the one that's still 25 members, we, we, they have a fun tradition. Um, we go to an old retired uh, pastor's blueberry farm and um, pick. It's a kind of pick-your-own uh, business that he's running. But I always try to remember when we go there, I have to pay for these things when I leave. He's got a scale at the, at the driveway, and you weigh and then you pay. And I always stop picking before I want to, right? Imagine this. You, we, next year we go, and um, uh, his name is Pastor Hirano. And he says when we're leaving, Oh, Rob, sorry, I didn't mention it. Today, today it's all free. How would you feel? I know how I'd feel. I wish I'd have known that. I would have picked more. <laughs> right? That's what grace is. That's grace. Grace. You don't deserve it. It's really good. And it's absolutely free. I remember when I was a kid, uh, growing up in, in Timmins. Um, you know where Timmins is, right? No, you don't. <laughs> um, there was actually a supermarket in our town uh, called Mike's. And um, they had a lottery every month that was worth winning. If you won, you got to take as many shopping carts as you could fill in five minutes only. A uh, shopping spree. And then you would go through the cash and they had the cameras running for local TV. And you could get whatever was in those carts you didn't have to pay for. It was absolutely free. Isn't that cool? But that's grace. That's grace. Something free for nothing. Well, actually, it's a bit like God's grace. 
It's only a bit like God's grace because God is not offering us groceries. He's not just offering us groceries. Look at at Acts 13.34. But before I read it, I want to tell you why it's connected to Isaiah 55. In it, in Acts 13.34, Paul is quoting, he's looking back at his testament, because he didn't have a new and old back then. He's looking back at Isaiah, and he's quoting from Isaiah 55, verse 3. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Here it is. Uh, Paul says about Jesus, God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. Did you get the quote? It's a little bit, the translation's a little bit uh, different, but he looks back at verse 3. Sure blessings promised to David. Sure blessings promised to David is a direct quote of Isaiah 55 and 3. So, what's happening here? Acts 13 and 34 is an amazing upgrade. Paul is, it's an upgrade of Isaiah 55. So much better than free groceries. Are you kidding me? Uh, Paul is talking about Jesus' resurrection. His resurrection. Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection for us gives Isaiah 55 so much more meaning. Free bread and milk? No. It's better than that. It's so much better than that. Jesus offers you today himself. Died on the cross to cover your sins. And when you were not, when? When you were not even asking him to do it. Anybody here 2,000 years old? I don't think so. Some of you look at. (laughs) But, But he did it for us before we were even born. Three days later, raised from the dead by his father. And what do we get? What do we get for free? Eternal life. Life forever in heaven. Beginning when? Now. Oh, that's good answers. I don't have to even say any of this stuff. Now. Beginning now. Just reach out and grab it. Just reach out and grab it. Let's look at the next. I'm going to skip a couple of verses and then read 6 and 7 of Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God. For he will freely pardon God's grace is generous. It demands a response. It demands a response. Um, Have we, have you responded? Look at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Time to wait? I have no idea. No matter where you have been, though, this I know. No matter where you have been, no matter what you have done, he will freely pardon. 
he will freely pardon. Grace is getting... Sorry, I have a one-string guitar today, and it's grace. Grace is getting something really good that you do not deserve, and it's free. God's offer is on the table. Again, Acts 13, 34. God raised him, Jesus, from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. But come on, surely the idiom, there is no free lunch, has some meaning here. It's got to have some truth. Uh, well, yeah, it does. The blueberries, remember the blueberries? Uh, Pastor Hirano, he would have to take the hit on those blueberries. He put all the work in. If he gives them for free, he's paying for them. He's paying for them, isn't he? Um, what about the, uh, the, foods, the, the store that gave away a, a shopping spree? Those groceries were free for me if I won, but not for somebody. Somebody had to pay the bill for those groceries. You know what I'm going to say. Through Jesus, the sinless God-man's death on the cross and his resurrection three days later, all who believe in him are promised life forever. Life forever. So there was a cost. An incredible cost. Our salvation as believers is paid in full by the currency of grace. Of grace. God paid the price through the sacrifice of his son Jesus. So, another question. Why then is good stuff for free such a hard sell? Why is it such a hard sell? Why, if grace is free and really good and generous, is it so, I don't know, unpopular these days? I'm a little bit out of touch with um, London, uh, with Ontario, with Canada, actually. Um, but I know about Japan. I know about Japan a little bit. And um, in Japan, something good for free is an oxymoron. Something good for free is bad. Grace is culturally unacceptable. Good for free. Good and free can't comfortably coexist. Um, a couple of years ago, Catherine and I were in, a, in Tokyo and um, we were going to a, a, a Tokyo uh, sports park, uh, to an outdoor sports park, to watch Julia. Um, she's 20 now, but I think she was, what, 17 at the time. And she was a high school senior. And we were going to watch her play soccer. I don't want to talk about soccer, but soccer games take at least eight hours to play. <laughs> but anyway, we had to get there. And we got lost in Tokyo. And we got caught in traffic in Tokyo. And those two things together mean you're not going to watch the soccer game. But um, in a, we knew we were close. 
We knew we were close. And so I just did what I always do, and I asked somebody, and I asked this older Japanese gentleman out for a walk. Uh, I showed him the map, and I go, we want to go here. And he said, oh, you're close. You're very close. In fact, you can see the field that you want right from here. And he pointed. And, and then he said, but you're in a car. The parking is way on the other side of the park. You'll never make it. Why don't you, why don't you instead park in my driveway? I have no car and I live three doors down from here. Wow. So we did. We did. We, we, we parked in his driveway and we enjoyed the, I think it went into overtime, extra time, so it was 10 hour soccer game. And then we returned um, and we went home. And on the way home, I thought, we just did something very un-Japanese. We took something for free. We didn't return the favor. What we should have done, or what all Japanese would do, is they would go to the grocery store or department store, and that's what this picture is all about, you're probably wondering. That's a, the entrance of most stores in Japan, and it's all a bunch of gifts all nicely wrapped up and different prices on them. And you buy them to give to people who you owe. And we owed him. Probably the parking would have been about 10, 20 bucks. So we would have paid. We'd have bought one of those and put it on his doorknob. We didn't. And I wondered on the way home if we should have. Uh, Japanese have a, I call it a, I guess it's an anti-grace. Um, expression or idiom. Tada yori takai mono wa nai. And it means in English, nothing is more expensive than that which you get for free. Nothing is more expensive than that which you get for free. Japanese people do not want, accept, or value anything that's free. It explains why the most successful Western-based sect in Japan is the next slide. There we are. It's the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's the most successful group of Western believers or cult members or sect of any kind. There are nearly 250 Jehovah's Witnesses in Japan. There are all brands of Christians, including nominal, Catholic, evangelical. There are only 500,000. So one-third of Western religious uh, cult believers in Japan are Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure you can tell me why. Because nothing is more expensive than that which you get for free. And what do the Jehovah's Witnesses depend on? Works. They're going to pay. They're going to pay. They're going to pay for their entrance into heaven. One of my favorite Japanese words is, is giri. Um, 
giddy. It sort of means, in English, obligation. Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law in Japanese is giddy no haha, which literally means mother of obligation. <laughs> oh, we have some, we have some daughter and son-in-laws here today. The idea, the idea is summed up with the expression, I gave to you, now you give to me. I, I want to see what you've learned. Nothing is more expensive than that which you get for free because of obligation. But, but, we don't want to end on a, a sour note here. Catherine and I have, have witnessed personally the, tra- the salvation of thousands of people in Japan. Those of you who have read our prayer letters and know us know that I just lied. It's not thousands. It's hundreds. Oh, there's still a few of you who wouldn't believe that. How about in 25 years, about 25? I hope you think it's worth the, the money so far. Hmm. 25 in 25 years. Some of them, some of them, um, and I'm counting maybe five, have gone on to win others to Jesus, making us, as it were, spiritual grandparents. And that is our, our greatest joy in ministry. I want to close by telling you about um, Mrs. Suzuki. Any dirt bike enthusiasts here? So you can remember Mrs. Suzuki. Uh, she lives in Tokyo, and she's a, a 75-year-old grandmother. She began attending church over 30 years ago. And she was even baptized at one point, and um, she believed that her faithful church attendance and her baptism would get her ticket punched into heaven. Uh, Catherine befriended her um, about four years ago, and she told Catherine the, the real reason she went to church was it was a safe feeling place where she, she felt good in, for a while in the midst of a, a really bad marriage in which she was a victim of domestic violence. Um, trips to the police station um, to complain about her husband resulted in her being scolded by the police for trying to shame her husband and being sent home. Um, Japan has a long way to go in the area of um, domestic violence and abuse. But, and again, this was over three years. Catherine shared the gospel of sin and grace with Mrs. Suzuki, but her initial response was, I I have no sin. Why don't you go talk to my husband about this? She was right. There is no word in, in Japanese for sin. There's no word in Japanese for sin. The closest they have is crime. So she was right. She had committed no crime. Over time, Catherine asked Mrs. Suzuki if she had ever thought about killing her abusive husband. And of course, I I think you could imagine that she had thought about it. Um, She thought about and was tempted to put a whole lot of salt in his food because he had high blood pressure. Okay. 
safe, but it would take some time. Um, this isn't, I guess I shouldn't try to make, this isn't funny, isn't it? Um, the other thing she said, she was tempted. Uh, they were sightseeing on one day at the ocean, and she was tempted to push him off a cliff. Um, Catherine, and you, you might know where this is going. Catherine gently brought up Jesus' words from Matthew uh, 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister or mother or father or husband will be subject to judgment. It took three years. This took three years. But God worked through his word. And now Mrs. Suzuki is a changed grandma. She reads her Bible every day because she wants to. She goes to church because she enjoys going to church. And she tells others there about how Jesus is changing her life. After 30 years of hiding her faith, or lack of it, in church, she has now given her three adult children a Bible and told them that it's changed her life. And she's getting a lot She's getting along a lot better with her husband. Because she's discovered, because she's discovered Jesus' grace, she can joyfully accept things like uh, Philip Yancey's instructions in a book called Vanishing Grace. Jesus says something like, you tell me you need some help? Well, so do I. You, you go give that old lonely lady a cup of cold water, and then I'll help you with some of your problems. Uh, next year, we want to return to Japan and continue helping Jesus, helping Japanese to discover the grace of Jesus. Thanks for your time today. Uh, remember the hockey cards at the back of the church, and please, if you want to pray, for Japan in particular, give us your email address. I know the church does a decent job, of, a good job of sending them out to you, but um, straight, into your email, straight into your inbox might even be better. So thank you. Let's pray as we finish. Father, I, I really thank you today for Isaiah 55 and Acts 13. I pray, Father, that you would help us to put those two passages together and realize how good grace is and how available it is and how generous it is. Lord, if we need to make a, a decision on where to go with that grace, I pray, Lord, that you would help each one here today to deal with that need for a decision. We thank you for your great generous grace. In Jesus' name, amen.